I'm Daria Rose, and this is The Foodist Podcast, where real people use real food to get healthy and lose weight without dieting. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose, and today I'm talking to Rebecca, who is a really impressive success story. So Rebecca was sort of an on-again, off-again dieter for most of her life until she decided to start a family. Then over the course of five years, she had three children while still working pretty intensively at her job. With this new responsibility, all sense of health or self-care just completely fell out the window. And to her disappointment, she had put on over 100 pounds during this time. Then one day, it just got to a breaking point. And this was uh, precipitated by a couple of things. Um, First, she ran into a friend of hers who she knew had also gained weight after having children. But this friend had lost all the weight, looked amazing. And this helped Rebecca realize that if her friend could do it, then she could do it. It gave her confidence and it gave her hope that there was something that she could do about the situation she was in because she felt very hopeless before this time. And she also realized at this point that she wasn't living in line with her values, that she believed she could do better for herself. She knew she could and that she deserved it and that she was was letting herself down. And also her family and her children, she realized that she didn't want her children to grow up to live the way she was living. And that was a big wake up for her because she realized that if she didn't want that to happen, that she was going to have to change herself. So in this sort of awakening epiphany moment, she made a decision to change her attitude and begin to focus on and prioritize her self-care, you know, getting fit for herself. She invested time. She invested money. She got a trainer and she went on a program and she ended up losing the weight in Eight months, which is super impressive. Um, now, I don't want you. Get, I want don't want you to think that this is like a a magical story of of rainbows and unicorns because Rebecca definitely has some hiccups along the way. I think she probably dieted a little too hardcore um, going into it, and she ended up rebounding with some binging for a while in between there. Even though she didn't gain she didn't gain all the weight back, but she did have some sort of eating habits that she was super unhappy with, but. She she's figured that out now too. And overall, it you can really tell when you listen to her speak that this is a huge, huge life improvement for her. She is so happy. She loves everything about her fitness program. She loves the way she eats. And she's found a way to be comfortable, occasionally indulging, which was hard for her at the beginning, uh, and still living according to her values that she that she can be really proud of and feel really good about herself. So um, I'm sure there's a ton of lessons in here that you can you can learn from and I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the show, Rebecca. Thank you. I'm so happy you're joining us today. I'm I can't wait to hear your story. You sent me an email and It was actually pretty short, but with just that short amount of information, I was like, yes, I definitely want you on the show, Um, but I can't wait to hear the full story. So why don't you start off by telling us what your life was like before you started making your healthy changes? Because it sounds like it was pretty different. It was. um, I, I became a mom 
probably at around 29. I can't even remember. <laughs> and I have three children. I had three children back to back. Um, so they're all under two years apart. Um, and during that time, I, I devoted myself completely as a mother to them and as a wife to my husband. Uh, I am a full-time teacher. I'm a high school teacher. Um, but I was in and out of school on maternity leaves in, in Canada or in Ontario. We have uh, a year uh, maternity leave. So um, just like the hustle and bustle of uh, working and being a mom and, you know, trying to fulfill all these duties, I completely lost myself. And in the process, I put it on probably around 100 pounds, give or take. Probably, wow. I, I think that I would probably have put like 120 pounds on. And I was, wow. prior to that, I was committed to the no carb diet. I, I, I was never like into fitness and I wasn't a, a slender person. I was pretty average and I really was into a lifestyle of dieting, like, you know, ups and downs and always up to date with what the newest dieting trend was. But and this is all before you had kids. This is before I had kids. Um, but I was not I never reached my goal weight. And I was always concerned with, um, you know, trying to still fit into like size 28 jeans or whatever else might be. Okay. Um, but I always knew like I couldn't wear shorts and I couldn't wear a mini skirt or there were always these problem areas that I had to deal with. And I, I really thought that my life, uh, this is prior to children, was always going to be like, I'm never going to be like the super skinny person that I desire to be. Or I'm never going to be that one person that when I'm looking at a fashion magazine looks like that. Um, so I was kind of banished to that like idea of I'm just going to have to die for the rest of my life. And my mom gave me these hips and, you know, my dad gave me these legs, right? That was my mentality. So you're sort of resigned to sort of having the lot that you were dealt. Um, and so the massive weight gain occurred most likely from my diet uh, during my pregnancies. And um, after you give birth to a baby, I think you're a mom as well. You would probably know. I'm not. You're I'm not, not. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. You have spoken to new moms. You're exhausted all the time and you have no idea what's going on in your mouth, like, or what's going into your mouth, right? You're just, or I, I used to do the, uh, you're not going to eat that piece of pizza. I'm going to finish that piece of pizza, right? And I would just, just take in whatever was around me and I wasn't conscientious of um, foods or, you know, what was, you know, for me, I mean, right now I look at it, I think about it like a piece of cheese was like a great piece of protein. I wasn't aware of food and the difference between whole food and processed food and all that stuff. So you just had a general, like you used to be a dieter, but then when you had started your family and then it was just like one kid after another, you were just like, and you're working full time. Were you working full? You had a year off, but still. Yeah, well, no, I was in and out of school for five years because I was having babies. Right. But all over all this time, like you just, you were so overwhelmed that there was just no way you were thinking about like dieting or no. your mini skirts or whatever. I was exhausted and I was, I, I would go to the mall and 
things that I would enjoy doing, like buying something. I was not doing any, I completely lost myself, like fully lost. I had no idea who I was anymore as Rebecca. And I was more mom and wife and teacher. And that was it. There was no me involved. Wow. Yeah. So you were just completely, all of your energy was just focused on being what other people needed you to be. Exactly. Then what? What changed? What's my aha moment? <laughs> so um, one day I was, well, I used to regularly go for walks and uh, a girlfriend of mine who's a, a neighbor as well, um, after we put all the kids to bed, we would go for walks in my neighborhood, which is quite hilly. So I would say, oh, this is a wonderful way to lose weight. Go for walks. Um, and I did that over a duration of a few months and just nothing was like, there, nothing was killing it. So you weren't losing weight is that you were, tra- you were doing that to lose weight or just for fun and hoping you would lose right. weight? Right. I mean, there was that, you know, there was an active element to it and I was her support and she was my support, but I knew that there was way more to this and, um, an acquaintance that I had run into looked like a supermodel. And I was like, and she had lost a hundred pounds. And I, whoa. And I was like, girl, what are you doing? Um, and she introduced me to, um, to somebody like, a he's a personal trainer and a nutritionist. And, um, I said, you know what? I like, he was expensive. And I said, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot because nothing is helping me here. And I gave him a call. I went to go see him the next day. And it was a wonderful opportunity for me to just like think about me with his own studio. And he said to me, he'll sit there and do nutrition with me. And, and he introduced me to a workout that I was actually able to complete um, and seem challenging. And I remember getting out of the car after I finished my session and I thought to myself, like, I can see myself doing this. And he said to me, I promise you, if you continue doing this in the next few months, you will see results. So the next time I went to see him, he gave me a meal plan and he introduced me to the idea of like alkaline and acids in your body and whole foods and don't eat anything that looks like it comes out of a box or it's been processed. Um, and like right then and there, because I was, I was, I was paying for this. I said, you know, like I have to justify it. There's a, you know, I'm investing in myself. And I think that's what really tied me into this whole idea of, um, fitness and nutrition, picking up that lifestyle. Interesting. So what, let me just, um, ask you, you, so you were doing these walks with your friend and you were kind of hoping they would work, but they, they it wasn't enough. No, like nothing. Because you hadn't addressed nutrition. And then, so wait, you were on the walk and you ran into your friend who had lost a lot of weight and looked really good. No, I, I ran into her like uh, during the day. I don't know. I was at somebody else's house and she was there. And, I, and she was kind enough to share with me who her mentor was. Um, and today till this very day, he's my mentor. I see him every single day still. And did you just sort of like, if you were, was the, was your thought process? Like if she can do it, I can do it. Um, yeah. Right. So absolutely. Because I knew her from when I was a teenager. And then I also knew her after she gave birth to her first child and she put on a 
kind of wait. Um, and then, you know, months later, I see her again and she, I'm not joking, she looks like a supermodel. I, no question about it. She looked like a super, and I was like, Alana, what are you doing? So there, so you, you could really relate to her story. Yeah, right. Today I can. And, and I could relate to her story that she was, I couldn't relate to the fact that she had put on a lot of weight after children. This is actually a really big change. So I, I wanted to just sort of stop and reflect on what a big change it is for you. Because you said early on, like when, you know, after you had your children, that you had lost yourself, like there was no sense of taking care of yourself or, or putting energy into your own body or your own well-being. And this one sort of ray of hope convinced you in your mind to like completely switch your tactic and say, you know what, instead, I'm going to invest in myself. I'm going to put in money. I'm going to put in time. And I, I'm going to work to, to invest in myself and take care for myself. That's a big deal. Yeah, that was a big deal. And I think it also came out of a little bit of anger. I was a little bit angry uh, with my situation, right? I was like, I was 34 and and I was looking around and other 34 year olds who were my friends, they were like, excuse me for saying so hotties. And I was like, oh my God, what happened to, like, where am I? Well, this is not, this. I'm not banished to this life. I, w- I was upset. I was upset with myself. Upset with yourself yeah. for letting this, for letting it get this Yeah, because you know what? Like I was pretty, you know, I'm like, I'm a cool girl and I'm really into like, I, I into like aesthetics and stuff. And what, what happened to me? I was, I was just, so you, you knew you deserved better. Yes, I for totally yourself. knew I deserved better. That's perfect. Exactly. Awesome. Good for you. That's, is the really difficult thing sometimes for people, especially, you know, it's like you love your family so much and you love your kids and you would do anything for them. And it can be so easy, like you said, to lose yourself in that love and in that responsibility. But at the same time, like, like, all humans are equally important and you count. <laughs> you are one of those humans who's very important. I'm going to tell you, there was another, it was that in conjunction with something else. So we used, oh, we still do go to the park, but when we would go to the park, it was always the kids coming up to my husband saying, daddy, can you chase me? We do a chasing game at the park. Daddy, can you chase me? Can you chase me? And again, it was a reminder of, why aren't you coming up to mommy and asking mommy to chase you? And I also knew that I had to be a role model, especially for my eldest, who was my daughter, who's my daughter. So I was like, I, I don't, I didn't want my daughter to turn into what I was turning into. I, I just didn't want that to happen either. You had this extra motivation that you wanted to, to be somebody who was, I mean, cause you're just, like you said, you're only 34, like you should be able to play chase with your kids and you, you recognize that and you, you could see almost, you, you could almost see yourself through your daughter's eyes. A hundred percent. Like I would sit there and I'm like, I don't want my daughter to be like me. And if I don't want my daughter to be like me, then I have to be something else. Wow. That's a really, that's really powerful. So you were able to challenge, to channel the anger with yourself for letting it get in a bad situation and like the love of your family and the desire to like set the right example for them and do the right thing for yourself. And you made this investment Mm -hmm. and you started focusing on, Basically, you just started focusing on real food and cutting out processed food and you started a workout program. Absolutely. Like it was, it worked all in conjunction. Okay. So when I went to go see, his name's Josh. When I went to go see him, I like, so, so here we go. So then I was by myself. 
That was number one. Number two is this person actually really believed in me. So it was me paying for it. I I mean, there's no, you know, hiding it. Like I had to pay money for it. But at the same time, it wasn't like a money grabbing situation. It was he actually really believed in it because he's really into the success stories. Like Mm -hmm. the, the girl who I ran into, she was a success story. So he was really into like, pushing me and uh, motivating me and like making sure that I was on like, so I would have to send my meal plans to him every single day. And in the process, it really did become habitual for me. Like just every day, you don't even, you know, it's a second thought after a while, just every day you're doing the same thing. And then you realize later on that this is, Oh, I, I wouldn't even, think about opening up a box of Cheerios to eat them for breakfast, right? Like not even something I think about because for the last seven months, I haven't been doing that, right? So you had somebody keeping you accountable and because you'd invested so much and you'd already made these decisions, you were able to stick to it. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And it sounds like also you were able to gain confidence that you could have success and you could achieve these goals because he was had, had confidence in you as well. Absolutely. Because that can be a really tough one for people because so many people think, well, gosh, you know, that's all good for my skinny friends, but I could never do that. Like, I have three kids. How could I spend that money? How could I spend that time? How could I make that effort? And you, you were able to get past that limiting belief. Absolutely. I, l- listen, I'm not, I'm not a person who is, uh, a rich person. I don't have like tons of wealth, but I mean, I mean, a monetary wealth, but, um, I was able to cut in certain areas to invest myself because I know that that, that was going to motivate me. I was accountable to my children, and my family as well, because if they're going to invest so much money in me that I had to fulfill the promise or the commitment on my side as well. So I had a lot of people to answer to in doing this. And it was, it was a little bit, and you know, I think in the first few weeks it was a little bit painful for me, the changes that I had to make. Uh, but then eventually, why is that? Well, cause I'm completely changing my diet. Yeah. So, so talk about that process. Like what, what did you do? Like what were the, what were the sort of the first steps that you took? Uh, when I brought my kids home from school and I was opening up their backpacks and cleaning up their lunch boxes, I wasn't eating the food that was in their lunchbox. And what resonated with me was, I remember I was speaking, uh, but when I was having my nutrition or when I was sitting and talking about nutrition, he says to me, are you, he says, if you didn't put the food in your mouth, where would you put it? And I would say in the garbage. He's like, well, are you a garbage can? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm not a garbage can. That's right. (laughs) Food you're putting in your mouth. And I was like, oh my God, you're absolutely right. That's a powerful analogy. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. So he reframed that, you know, you thought you were just sort of like not wasting food, but really like it wasn't serving anybody. Yeah. Guess what? That bagel and cream cheese is not necessarily for you. Not necessarily for anybody, actually. Right. I would completely mindlessly put food in my mouth all the time. Okay, so that was the that was one of the biggest habits you had to you had to break, and that and was it that writing it down every day was what helped you, or just the fact that you were just 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. A lot of what you say actually on your blog, your blog was one of the first blogs that I started to tune into. Um, Just like, you know, because I had such great interest in nutrition, but the whole idea of journaling, uh, not counting calories, but just writing down what you're eating. Yeah. That awareness. Oh yeah. I, I mean, today I don't do that. Right. But in the beginning, that was so important for me. And it, and it went from, you know, eating like, you know, especially if you're coming from a no carb diet, like, so I would eat like excessive amounts of hamburgers, for example, that I make for my family and I didn't Hmm. necessarily need that. Or I wasn't listening to my body. I might've been full, but I was still eating because again, the kids weren't going to finish eating that. That's so interesting. You know, it's a good point that how... You don't, you don't always have to journal, right? Like you can stop at some point when you like, once you develop like a sort of a natural tendency to sort of inventory what you're eating all day and just be aware, like, just be aware. Like, and it, like for me now, it's kind of sounds like it is for you. Like it's, it's just almost subconscious. Like I don't have to, like, I, like some people you ask them what they ate and they're like, I have no idea what I had for lunch. I had no idea what I had for dinner last night. Like they take, takes them a minute. Like I could tell you like, <laughs> like anything, but part of it came from, I mean, I remember last time I moved, I found journals and journals and journals of like when I was a dieter and I used to count all my calories and inventory everything I ate. And like, while that's not, I took it to like obsessive levels for somebody who's just getting started and sort of learning to become aware of what they're actually eating. It can be a really powerful exercise to do for a little while is to just, you know, force yourself to remember and pay attention to what you're eating and like write it down is such an easy way to do that. Absolutely. Great. So you started writing stuff down and you started becoming more aware of nutrition in general. Um, But it sounds like you weren't counting calories or, or anything like that. Can you, can you elaborate on what else you were doing? Uh, I was working out. Um, and that actually, I mean, it really, so that was something, okay, I'll start with this working out at the same time every single day and enjoying the process was super important for me. Uh, and I remember it was like a day in November, uh, about three years ago where I had like lost all the weight. Like I, I was on a scale every single day. And I will tell you today that numbers make me crazy. So I won't even touch a scale. I won't even look at, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not interested in that. Um, but I can look at myself in the mirror or I can put on a pair of jeans or whatever else it might be. And I can tell if I'm a little bit, you know, bloated from the day before or whatever else it might be. And, and at that point, I kind of like, I can walk into the kitchen and, know what I'm supposed to eat and where I can go, you know, heavier on one day and, and a little bit lighter on the next. Um, and then again, that depends on my workout or whatever else it might be going in at the same time every day, uh, and enjoying the process. That was, I think the biggest, the most, Oh, November. So I remember there was a day in November. I, I, I remember it was a Friday and I just come back from a run and I, I turned to uh, Josh and I said to him, like, uh, you know what? I think that I might have to change my, tweak my meal plans a little bit because I wasn't writing anything down anymore. But I said, I, I just, I keep on losing weight and I, I don't think I want to lose any more weight. I just, I had lost, wow. I had lost like over a hundred pounds at that point. And I was like, I don't need to do this anymore. Like I, 
so that was, I think, really my my turning point. And because I got home and I, I started to cry, I was like, I'm enjoying this and I love this, but what am I going to do? I don't want to continue losing weight. But at the same time, I don't want to stop working out. I love every second of it. And I love what I eat every day. That's amazing. Yeah. So I didn't know what to do. I, I really, I found myself um, at a standpoint. I just didn't know how to tackle that situation. So you you had this fear that like you were just going to continue losing weight and you were like, I, this is not what I want anymore. I don't even feel like me. Yeah. And, and, you know, so that brought me into, I mean, unfortunately I did have, I think about a year of like binge eating and it was at one, it was forced on me. Like I forced it on myself because I would go for these very long runs and then I would eat. I mean, I, I mean, to some people it might look to me, it looked like binge eating. Some people it might not seem like it. I mean, like, three yogurts at one time. And to me, that's, that's a lot of food in one sitting to have like three yogurts and the next and all this stuff. Um, and I knew, and then I would wake up in the morning and I wouldn't like that, what, what had happened. And I just became too, I just wanted to go back to where I was and enjoying the process. So I was still enjoying the process, but I, I didn't know how to handle my food. And you started working with Josh and it sounds like the transition was pretty easy for you. Like, well, it's exciting. You, you had some, yeah. you had to figure it out and there were some, some things you had to figure out, but eventually you, you got on an eating program you were happy with. You learned to eat mindfully and, and be aware of what you were eating. You had a workout program and you lost weight. How long did it take? How long did you lose take to lose all that weight about, when you got to the point where you said it was too much uh about seven eight months okay so you lost over 100 pounds in in eight months let's okay, say yeah and then um and then when so when did the binging when was that in relation to the when, when i realized months? that i didn't want to lose any more weight oh so you just started eating to make up for it yeah for my because i didn't want to stop working out so i didn't know what to do with myself oh how interesting okay so so you didn't know what to do. So um, you were going on. Yeah, it was like confusing to me. I'm like, I don't want to get any skinnier, but I don't want to sl- stop uh, working out. Okay. And, and um, how did you deal with that? Yeah, that was hard, right? Because also like, like uh, if you have like sugar or anything, like if I had chocolate, like I, during that um, transition, like meal planning and all this recording, I wasn't eating junk food at all. There was no like cheat meals or anything else like that. I wasn't interested in that. Um, okay. So it was by choice, not by design. Yes. It was a hundred percent by choice, but then it became by design because I was like, Hmm, that was really good. You know, a few days you started eating it by design. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. It's so fun. It's so interesting. I mean, I, I like I imagine like somebody who's been struggling with their weight for a while and like listening to your story is like, I want to strangle this woman like she can't she's like, I'm losing too much weight. I have to eat junk food so I can work out more. <laughs> it sounds it sounds crazy. I know, but I do have a bit of an addictive personality. Like when I really enjoy something, I'll um, hold on to it for dear life. And I mean, I was in and I still till this day, I, I'll work out a few more times and just one time a day like I'll I'll always squeeze in like an extra little workout right like 
even if it means that I have to go, or not have to, but I want to go for, you know, like I, I drive, for, I leave work, I go to my kid's school, I park my car and I'll go for a run. I mean, that's just what I've become. That's who I am. I That's what I enjoy. Well, yeah, well, it's a testament to your the program uh, that you were on that you did find it so enjoyable because that's a big barrier for a lot of people is that the workouts are too hard or the eating plan is too different or too too rigid for their lifestyle and it doesn't work for them. Right. But yours worked for you. Worked. Almost too well. Yeah, but I think it works for me because I made I I found I I found replacement, right? It, I never restricted myself, and I and I said to myself, okay, well, if I can't have you know um, a bowl of Cheerios for breakfast, I'm gonna have like some oatmeal with berries and nuts, and mm, this is really good. Just mm-hmm. this, I think even better than a bowl of you know Cheerios. So it was there were enjoyable replacements. They were in you know something that I couldn't detest, right? So, so a big part of it was that the foods that you were encouraged to eat as an alternative to the things you were eating before were actually really delicious and, and the workouts you were doing were actually rejuvenating and fun. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, and then usually what happens is you feel, you get the feedback of like, oh my gosh, I have so much more energy now. I feel so good. I love running. I feel strong. Like this is the best feeling ever. And it, yeah. So so at, at a certain point, like it's a self-perpetuating thing. Like there's no willpower required. Like you do it because you don't feel as good if you don't do it. Oh, uh absolutely. It's not a willpower thing at all. Well, how did you resolve the, the weight loss binging thing? Like, did it, is that, that's not still going on? Is right? No, it's not going on at all. Um, I had to, I, I actually wrote to you when I read your home court habit, um, article. And you responded to me, which was really exciting. And I was like, oh, my God, yes, I can drink a cup of tea or I can, you know, take a hot shower or whatever else it might be. Oh, you mean as if to stop binging? Yes, to stop binging. To soothe yourself. Yes, exactly. And so, yeah, what did you remember what you wrote to me? I, 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 I reply to a lot of you. <laughs> I know you do. Uh, what did I write to you? I so. Sometimes after a number of workouts, I had felt depleted and I didn't know what to put in my mouth, especially if I, you know, pulling myself off the couch at nine o'clock at night and I was walking through the kitchen, you know, whatever might've been in the kitchen, I might've stuck in my mouth. And then I was like, "Mm, this is really good. And a little bit of it is not satiating my hunger. I might need a little bit more and then it turns into a, a binge. Um, and that's what I had written to you. And it was the next day that, that I, I was mortified by what I had put in my mouth and that I wasn't on track. And, um, I didn't feel accountable. I felt accountable to myself and how horrible I felt as a result of what had happened the night before. What had happened? Whatever I ate, like the binge eating. Okay. So you were working, well, you were working out really hard. Yeah, I still do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you were binging, but you were not worried about your weight because you had lost more weight than you even wanted to weigh. weigh. Yeah. Sorry. That's right. right. But then I think it, it, I, I was always accountable the next day. I didn't have like three or four days of binge eating because 
I would work out at the same time. I work out at five in the morning. I would work out at five in the morning. I still do. And I look in the mirror and I'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe what you did to yourself. How could you lose this? You love this so much. So the reason that you wanted to stop binging was because it was uncomfortable and because you were just embarrassed by that behavior? Yeah, absolutely. So that was when you emailed me and you I, and I told you there's other things you can do to to comfort yourself so you don't have to comfort yourself with food? Right, exactly. So um, what did I do? I found, I found really good, healthy options to uh, replace the, the yucky food that I was sticking in my mouth. Um, what do you mean by yucky food? Like the, you know, whatever. I mean, if my kids had pizza that night and I, I decided to walk by and, you know. Oh, so you had reintroduced some of the stuff you had eliminated before. Right. But then the next morning I I would wake up and I'd be like, what did I just do? Um, and you know, that was a problem for me. That was a big problem for me. And so you were, you started on your program you cut out all junk food. You loved it. You were doing great. You were losing weight. And then you thought you lost too much weight. And sort of in response to that, you started introducing a little bit more junk food and like binging occasionally. Um, and you, you still weren't worried about your weight, but you didn't like how you felt or, and you knew it was just bad. I was worried about my weight when it, when it continued for like a few months. And I was, I was concerned. I wasn't putting on excessive amounts of weight. I was putting on maybe like five pounds, but, and and I was still weighing myself. I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, how much weight could I put on last night? Right. Um, I see. Right. And, but I wasn't putting on like huge amounts of weight. And I, so I was concerned with it, but I didn't like the way I felt. It was horrible. The whole thing was a horrible situation that I introduced into my life is binge eating. Okay. And so what did you do? I found substitutes and it wasn't just the tea and the hot baths, but I also had to recognize that there were certain foods that I actually had to eat to, um, not to act as preventative measures, uh, from binge eating, but also to actually nurture me properly after I did like a 10 kilometer run or after I, you know, did a certain workout that I knew I'd probably be hungry from. So you knew you recognized that part of part of the need was actual fuel. It was actual fuel, and there were certain foods that would would uh, conquer the the hunger that I had inside of me. Like what? Uh, like eating a complex carb after a run within the first half an hour, or you know, like uh, I like I love my green shake, and getting a Vitamix was like the best thing I ever did. So nice. When you say complex carb, what do you, can you give an example? Uh, baked butternut squash. I always have it in my fridge and, you know, having it with like some collard green wraps and that's really satiating to me. And I really enjoy eating that nutritionally yeast. It's like my favorite thing to sprinkle on things. And I eat it all the time with whatever roasted vegetables I have. So there were certain things like I knew, like eating, uh, a salad, after a run was not going to cut it. I knew that there were certain things I had to have to have. And then, and maybe, maybe I don't have to have it. Maybe it is psychological. I'm not sure, but I know that would have pulled, that pulls me out of my hunger. You know, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because I, I had the same experience. I had, especially because I had done low carb for so long, I was just so used to just not eating carbs. Uh, 
but when I was, but I also am, am incredibly active, like, and there was a time I was running marathons. And even when I don't run marathons, I work out a lot. I mean, I really love it. It's like something that sustains me. But 100%, if I don't eat, usually some sort of starch or yeah, or something like a butternut squash is good. Potatoes are good. Uh, beans are good. Lentils are good. Intact grains are good. If I don't eat those things, I will, I will have inclinations toward binging on something as well because I'm starving. Like my body needs that fuel. And I think it's fair to say that that's not psychological because like, because what happens is if I just eat a little bit of grains, it doesn't even have to be very much. I, I am fine, you know, and that's healthier for me. Like it's healthier for me to feel in control and not feel like I want to like eat everything on my plate and everything in the kitchen just because I had this idea that I shouldn't eat carbs. I think it's much healthier to give your body what it needs and and recognize that that's sometimes the case. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially if you're doing a lot of strenuous activity, you know, you're, you're, you're asking a lot of yourself. Okay, so that that's amazing. So you realize that part of your, or at least a good, would you say all of your binging or part of your binging was a result of just needing more fuel? Yeah, I could have been. I, I, I think that, that that was that was true. Yeah, 100%. It was 100% a case of fuel, the need for more fuel. I knew that. Because you were able to stop. Yeah, it. and I there were some other things that I did like, you know, if I had like two or three binges in a week and I was so upset with myself, I think I also had to come up, get over the being upset with myself, like having empathy. Yeah. For me, I had to like introduce a little bit of yoga into my life, meditation. Beautiful. That helped me a lot. And I don't, I don't need to do that uh, anymore. I still do I, I take on some meditative practices. Like I like to go to, I don't, do you know what Legree is? No. Like a mega, mega reformer, like Sebastian Legree, it's, it's Pilates. That I find very, it helps me a lot to just like stop and think about, you know, where might I do it again or very early in the morning. So where my day is going and how I'm feeling about myself. So I think the, uh, where, how I feel about myself, not just how I feel because I'm hungry or whatever else it might be, um, has helped me as well to really, you know, come back to enjoying what I do every day. There yeah. was something that really resonated with me that the New York times article where they had, they followed one individual and he said, he, he didn't see an end to this. The one he was, you know, he was running on the treadmill for 45 minutes and then he was eating. Oh, you're talking about the biggest loser. Yeah. Study. And then, and then he spoke about how he didn't see an end to it. And I honestly, I cried when I read that because I was at, I was where he was at one point. I was working out, working out, working out to like lose the weight. And then I always say to myself, like, when is this ever going to end? And you have to just go back to, I mean, this is when the binging is happening and I'm not really happy with what's going on. I had to return to that enjoyment, like why I was doing this to begin with and how I was enjoying it and finding myself and stuff like that. And I felt sorry for him because he just never enjoyed it. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. I was going to ask you, so you've lost over 100 pounds. And uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, just recently, the New York Times reported on a study that was done on contestants from The Biggest Loser. And that's the show where it's like a reality show where they 
teach people or they they put people through a very grueling exercise and diet routine and they lose like hundreds of pounds like this these class three obese people and it's this contest and whoever wins loses the most weight is the winner the biggest loser and they st- they followed one of the groups th- for six years and um i think it was like 14 out of 15 people gained most of the weight back and their metabolisms had slowed in, in the sense that they they were burning fewer 500 fewer calories per day after the six years even though they were back close to their normal old weight than they were at the beginning of the show before the show started and the media picked this up and they the message that was basically all over the news the last couple of weeks has been weight loss is impossible you can't lose a lot of weight without destroying your metabolism. And so, I mean, it was almost, it was and like so many of my readers were just so sad about this. And I knew it. I got a lot of emails about it. And so I wrote, I wrote a explaining what I thought, which is that actually maybe it's not that weight loss is impossible. Maybe it's that when you are working out seven hours a day and burning 8,000 to 9,000 calories a day and trying to create a 3,500 calorie a day deficit by eating so little and working out so much. Yeah, that's not sustainable. (laughs) How about that? Yeah. And so I'd love to talk to you. So how long now has it been that you've kept this 100 pounds off? Uh, Probably about three years, give or take. About three years. I had And how Yeah, give or take. Like the give or take 10. No, I wouldn't say 10 pounds. I would say maybe 10 pounds. Maybe there was one or two days where I was like, whoa in the binge eating period where I was like, Whoa, what happened here, Rebecca? And how long has it been since you've been binging? How, uh, when did you stop? Okay. Having? So that was interesting. First of all, I had to say to myself, it's okay to eat a little bit of junk food once in the blue. It's not a bad thing. I'm not a horrible person for doing that. So this goes back to the compassion you were yes. talking about earlier that sometimes humans eat things not because they're healthy. Yeah. And by the way, giving myself that leeway permitted me permission. Yeah. To permitted me to say it's okay to eat it. It's okay and it's okay to stop. Because you know what? It's there tomorrow. But I don't feel amazing when I wake up. I have to I remind myself that I don't feel amazing when I wake up to go work out and I ate that the night before or I ate excessive amounts of that the night before. So, okay. And so, and so how long is, how long ago was that? Six months ago. And and you've just, so you, you're compat you eat a little bit of junk food, but you don't binge anymore. Oh, and like a little bit, like once a week. Right. Yeah. At like a family function or something. You'll like have a piece of pizza or something like no, that. No, I don't like pizza. I'll have like a baked good. Okay. Like a brownie or something. Yeah. Okay. Like once a week. Yeah. Once a week. And And you don't feel guilty about it? No. And I don't feel guilty about it. And, Truth of the matter is I probably will only have a few bites and that's it. Like my weakness is like nuts and dried fruit, which is not bad for you at all. But mm-hmm. if once in a blue moon, I'll have like, you know, a lot of pistachio nuts. And then, you know, I won't feel bad about it the right. next day because I know it's, you know, whole food. And in the end, and it's not like you're, you're like sitting and like binging on no. it. You're not you're not doing the like three yogurts or like pizzas from your or whatever it was it from your kids. Yeah, goldfish or anything else like that. Exactly. Okay. And you don't even feel like you want that anymore. Uh, no desire. Cool. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, so when you when you read stuff like the biggest loser, I mean, obviously you 
I mean, I, I had the same reaction. I was like, I just, my heart just broke when I read what those people were going through. And then that the weight came back. I mean, uh, but, so sad, but, um, you know, I, I'm curious how you feel in terms of just their approach and, and whether or not weight ga- re- regaining the weight is inevitable. So like I was saying to you, um, before I just, he, I, I don't know what his name is and I feel horrible, but this, not knowing his name, but I think he's a pastor. I can't remember New Jersey. And, um, he just didn't, he, there's something he didn't enjoy. He didn't see an end. There was no light at the end of the tunnel. He just had to keep up. There was no slowing down for him. Right. And the slowing down meant that he just like would binge, binge, binge and binging by the way, is like eating a lot of food in a short period of time. Right. So he's every, he's always moving so quickly. Like there was never, there was no ending to this movement that he's doing. He didn't just like stop and think and, and really become mindful of his actions. It was always like doing exactly what he was learned to do on whatever show he was on or right. Always acting like 45 minutes here and then do this and then eat lunch and right. Yeah. His schedule was insane. It was like, wake up at 5.00 AM run for 45 minutes on the treadmill eat some like egg whites, go back on the treadmill. <laughs> it was like, right. yeah, it was but crazy. But he didn't enjoy it. There was no enjoyment. There was nothing there. Right. It was, it, it was torture. Yeah. It was, well, I can't live like that. Guess what? Nobody here can live like that. He, That's right. You know, like when I, people look at me and they're like, you wake up at four in the morning to like go work out. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Even if I went to bed at like 11 last night, I still jump out of bed because I love it. I love every second of it. I love the music. I love the moves. I love the people I work out with. I love everything. And that's what was missing. Oh, that was the missing ingredient from the biggest loser study. Uh, don't you think so? There was no enjoyment. Uh, I have an entire website about it. I have an entire website about how, um, like we should focus on pleasure and making our lives awesome. And that's why we should eat the things we love and exercise because we love our bodies. And yeah, I'm, I'm all on board, but it's, it's good to hear it from you because, you know, a lot of people will assume that, you know, they'll look at pictures of me and they'll think, well, you're skinny. Like whatever you say, it doesn't apply to me, but you are somebody who's you've lost over a hundred pounds and kept it off for three years and you just told me how much you love waking up in the morning and how much you love all your food and how you don't like to eat junk food. Yeah. And you know, too. like, like I got my daughter involved in track and field. So when I'll come home, I'll be like, okay, Ellie, come put your, put your running shoes on. Let's go for a little run before you start school. And she loves it. And then my boys are in on it. Right. And then and now and my kids are like, mommy, you come and chase, right? You chase us in the, the, um, in the park. And, you know, I remember my son went up to my husband and he, and he was like, no, daddy, mommy's muscles. Right. It was, it was, it was kind of, that's fulfilling for me. It was kind of, you know, a little, a little bit funny, but my kids know, like my, my son just gave me a mother's day card and it says, uh, she makes me eat her vegetables. She makes sure that I'm strong. And I was like, yeah, that's right, dude. You got it. It just, these- that's so wonderful. They, but they know, they know, they know that like, you know, we try to keep healthy and strong. And I mean, I don't shove it down their throat and I don't ever take away anything from them. They still, if they want chocolate or whatever they want, they can get it. Uh, 
but they understand that being healthy makes life better. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And that was what you wanted. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And also... So you got your wish. That's right. And, they, and you know what? They don't rely... Like, for me, by the way, like, as a child, um, whatever hardships there was, my mother is very old school. And it was always like, we're comforted by food, right? Go into the fridge and make yourself a sandwich and, you know, mm, yummy. I was always like comforted by food, 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 food. And then today, like my kids, they don't necessarily, you know, they're not comforted by food. They don't come into the kitchen and go through the cookies and all that stuff. They, they're comforted by other things like, you know, reading or playing video games or going outside and playing basketball. They don't rely on food as, um, again, a source of comfort. So that was a big thing for me as well, to make sure that... Yeah, and they learned that from you, yeah. It's learned behavior, really is. Right, and it's, it's, you know, it's like, it's really common for people to mix up sort of love and comfort and food. Uh, you'd be right, because actually through a lot of history, I mean, it makes sense why that, why that association would develop, but it, at a certain point, you, you have to sort of decide if it serves you well, you and your family, and if it's really helping you reach your goals and, and recognize that you can actually rewrite those scripts. Absolutely. I yourself. mean, we still do enjoy our food moments. Like we do have breakfast and dinner together every single day and it's sit down. It's not like in front of the TV, but we're not going to sit there with like piles and piles of food and sit in front of the TV and eat it mindlessly and we don't do, that's not the way we do. We have a designated time where we sit and eat and we really enjoy what we're eating. And my kids sometimes look at my food and they're like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to eat your broccoli soup, but <laughs> they're, I always thought it was delicious, but um, we, we still enjoy eating the food together. Like we sit and we talk, and we enjoy it and it's done. Right. We move on and we do other things together. Right. But there's a difference between enjoying food and in celebrating with food than going to food as a crutch oh, for, for when you need to feel better about something else. Absolutely. That was something I had to remind myself of as well when I was, when I was uh, binge eating. I was like, why am I doing this? I don't even like it. And it was kind of like going back. It was like going back to, you know, when I was growing up, right? And being comforted mm -hmm. by the foods that, um, that were in my kitchen or whatever my mom was, you know, cooking up. Was part of, was realizing that part of what helped you stop, stop binging? Yeah, absolutely. I really think that the, being, you know, the meditative state that I'm in when I'm at yoga or today when I'm at, at um, my Pilates studio, uh, that really helped me as well. Like really thinking, like isolating my thoughts and thinking about what in the world am I doing? That's really, I, I hear that a lot and good for you for, for figuring that out because it's a tough one, you know, and it's so easy to like sort of put mindful practice and whether it's yoga or meditation or whatever, just put on the back burner and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to that some other day in my life translation. It'll never happen. Um, and forget that like, it can be the secret to stopping a, a really insidious habit like binging or you know, late night eating or any other sort of activities that can feel like, I think people use the word like self-sabotage a lot. Like they know that it's not good and it doesn't serve them, but they do it anyway. But mindfulness is often, when I talk to people about who have overcome things like that, it comes up again and again and again. How just being aware 
that they were responding or reacting to something and not responding with compassion to themselves and um and that there was they had the choice to do something different uh really powerful yeah it is very powerful i try i remember like uh learning about mindfulness like during this time um i would call it like a dip in my you know uh food and uh, or fitness and nutrition lifestyle um but i remember reading about like how to be more mindful like look at a window and i tried that and i was like no no, no, it's not working (laughs) or like right or take take eight bites of your food i'm like oh that really isn't working right there were so many things and I also found what helped me was just like to stop thinking about it so much, like just Mm -hmm. right. Just kind of like go with the flow and enjoy the day and being present. Yeah, being, being, I am totally right. Being totally present, but not thinking about like, you know, well, when you're thinking about it, you're not present by definition. When you're like overthinking and analyzing, like, should I eat this? Should I not eat? Like, just eat it, just eat it. (laughs) You're right. Just eat it. But at the same time, like, Okay, like you would think about, you know, double time on like chocolate brownie. Eat, don't eat. Just put it in your mouth, finish it, done, move on. The binging would take place when I was like, oh, I ate that. Okay, I'm just going to have like five more because tomorrow I'm not going to eat any at all. Right? And right. that's how the whole right. thing happened. It, you know, and then you have this whole avalanche of disaster right before you. And so for you, the key to getting into a mindful state was through yoga. Yeah, free yoga, that really helped me. I remember like, even like, and this is so not me, but like crying during a yoga session going like, oh my God, Rebecca, what did you do? Where are you right now? <laughs> you lost focus. <laughs> so that was free. I, had, I just had to return. I had to return to my like, my, my, the state that I was in, the state of like euphoria that I would be in after a really good workout and like drinking tea with my friends and returning and saying good morning to my children and all that. So I had to return to that. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's a good point you bring up, which is that like, you know, it's not as simple as like doing it once and then you're done. Like it's, it's a journey and you learn yourself and new things come up and, and our job as humans is to be lifelong learners of ourselves. Mm-hmm you know, and, and say, you know, I'm going to grow and I'm going to learn and I'll understand myself better. And the, the, the thing not to do is to panic and give up and call yourself a failure and, you know, just sulk and, and feel sorry for yourself, but instead say, Hey, you know, sometimes this, this worked for me before it's not working right now. I need to adjust my strategy. And, and like you said, also be compassionate with myself. If my first guess at what's going to fix it doesn't work and I have to try a few things. Mm-hmm. But but stick with it. Absolutely, sticking with it, I think is so important. Like those people, the people who put weight back on, it just they, they they couldn't return, or maybe they didn't want to return. I don't know what it was, but they just. Well, it sounded like a lot of them were still working out a lot and like doing all the things. It's just they put weight on anyway. Yeah. Because I mean, obviously, they weren't working out seven hours a day. They had to go back to their jobs and stuff. But they were. It sounded like most of them were still dieting and still exercising pretty extremely. Yeah. But they put on the weight anyway. Right. But okay. So that's what I call the vicious cycle, and that's where the empathy had to come in. The like the calorie chase. That that's the worst place to be in the world. For for you, a hundred percent. Right. You would like binge eat because you wanted to like 
you know, for me, it was like, okay, put on a little bit of weight, Benji. And then the next day you're mortified. So then you're going to calorie chase and you're going to run that extra mile and, and then you're depleted and then you do, right. And that's where the cycle comes in. And they have to just, that is the vicious dieting cycle. It's the worst. And they have to just sit back and like, and the whole time you feel guilty. You feel guilty when you're overeating. You feel guilty when you're exercising it off. You feel guilty when you don't want to go back to the gym. You feel guilty when you like, <laughs> you know, like every single part of it. And is then like you're angry guilt. and then you're a mean person. And it just, it just, you know, it ends up manifesting throughout your whole entire life. Like everybody, my students would know about it. My husband knew about it. My children knew. It was the worst experience. So that's when you have to like step back and like stop and think and say, okay, reassess. What do I enjoy? What don't I enjoy? What can I do? What can I do? Right. So what are my triggers? Exactly. All that stuff. Well, I am so happy for you, Rebecca. Thanks. And I'm happy to read your blog. I really love it. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad that if, if any of it helped, I mean, it really sounds like you've done a lot of hard work, a lot of deep soul searching to find a way that is working for you. And it sounds also like if for ever any reason it stopped working for you, you would figure it out because you have this super, you you just have this wonderful attitude that this this is something that is important to you and that you're going to, you're going to commit to. You've like, you've invested in making your health work for you and be a positive force in your life. And you like, you won't take no for an answer for that. And I love it. It's really, really inspiring. Good. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us and keep it up. Thank you so much, Doria. Thanks for listening to the Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose. And if you're interested in upgrading your own health style, learning how to get healthy and lose weight without dieting and without all of the suffering that it brings, then head over to my website, Summer Tomato, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get a free starter kit that'll teach you the basics of how to start changing the way you think about food, health, and weight loss. You'll also get a free chapter from my book, Foodist, called The Myth of Willpower that explains the science behind why the no pain, no gain mantra of the weight loss industry is the absolute worst approach to getting healthy. So come over to Summer Tomato and sign up. We have a fantastic community and we would love, love, love to have you. Thanks for listening and I will see you next time.